Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and I am so excited about this topic that I had to cut myself off because as I was writing this episode, I was like, this is going to be two hours long, but it won't be, I promise. It will not be. But today, I'm so excited because today I'm, I'm going to talk about a style of coaching that is highly driven by the psychology of motivation. It's a style of coaching that I coach all of my monitoring clients on, and it's something that completely transformed my coaching business. And the style of coaching is called client-centered coaching. And so if you're a coach, today you're going to learn how and why a more client-centered approach will help you stop getting like these one-word answers on check-ins will help you kind of keep your clients more engaged and help you develop a deeper rapport with clients and essentially help them get better results. And if you're not a coach, this will be really interesting for you to listen to because you're going to get some insight into how motivation works and what might be missing if you're not feeling motivated on your own or while working with a coach. And also, if you ever are interested in working with a coach, this will give you some ideas of some things to look for um, or some things that you might want to steer away from if you are ever interested in working with someone on your health and fitness. And I can honestly tell you that without learning this coaching method, I would still be one of those highly numbers-driven, very results-focused, the quote-unquote, it worked for me, so should work for you type coaches. And before we hop in, I want to just give you a really quick life update. So I have had a lot, just like a lot of life stuff going on, and I didn't realize that it was weighing on me so much. I kind of thought like, oh, it's fine. Like I've got it all under control. And last night, I just like lost it. And it was, my partner and I had a discussion about something that wasn't even a big deal at all, and I just couldn't handle it. And The reason I'm saying this, because I ended up like breaking down, crying, we ended up talking about it, is that we often are so good at pretending that we're okay that we don't honor these things that come up and we don't allow ourselves the space to like actually feel a certain way about things in our lives. And it's really, really hard, right? Like I'm still in the process of truly understanding my emotions and like really connecting with them. And it's scary because you kind of think like, well, I don't want to just like let go. I don't want to be a mess. I don't want to be a disaster. And one of the things that has been really helpful for me is starting to just check in with myself more and be like, hey, there's this thing coming up in my life. How do I think I feel about it, right? And even if I don't get the quote unquote right answer, like asking myself that more often is really helpful. In this specific situation, I noticed that I was avoiding checking in with myself about it. So I just wanted to share that because we often have things in our lives that we're like, it's not a big deal, but it actually kind of is and it's okay to cry. It's okay to let it out. It's okay to ask for a hug or like just be, last night I was like, you know what? I want a hug. I want you to tell me things are going to be okay. And then I just want to read my fantasy novel and escape for a little while. And that's okay. But the important part was that I was actually able to recognize it. So great. Thanks for listening. Let's hop in to today's episode. And so as I said before, that I used to be the type of coach that was so numbers driven, so results focused. I had this belief of like, well, you know, macros works really well for me, so it should work for you. And when I first started coaching, 
nutrition. So I did the sports nutrition certification here in Barcelona. It was in person. And at the end, they gave us this really complicated like Excel sheet with a bunch of formulas and calculations. And it seemed like this incredible thing, like, oh my gosh, I can enter in this data and it gives me this like perfectly balanced plan for this client. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And at this point, I had already done a health coaching certification, which was a little bit, like a little bit more on the like woo-woo side. Um, And then I was also working through my precision nutrition certification, which highly recommended. And precision nutrition was actually where I was introduced to client-centered coaching. And so at this point, I had finished these certifications and I was like, I am so ready to coach. And if I had a narrator come in right now, the narrator would be like, she was not ready to coach. Or like, little did she know she was not ready to coach. And that's because I had all of this information, but I didn't have the experience or the skills to like effectively communicate with clients yet. And so I had this list of questions to ask potential clients to like gather the data that I needed, right? How many meals a day do you eat? Um, Do you have a place to store food at work? Do you like to cook? What does your current diet look like? What does your current training look like? And at that point, I was like, this is just what you do. You gather the data that you need from the client. You create the plan. You give the plan to the client. And then you follow up to make sure the client is sticking to the plan. And I knew that I had a lot to learn. I think my brain is just like, I am very curious about things, especially things that I'm really interested in, clearly very interested in coaching. Um, but I, I kept coming again, up against these clients who would be obviously excited. They would hire me, be really excited to make changes. And then they would kind of start like falling off slowly. So they would either like lose steam or they'd start making excuses. I even had clients ghost me, which if you're a coach listening, it's probably happened to you before, right? It might be happening to you right now. And I wondered like, what's going on? Am I not giving them enough information? Do I need to give them more as a coach? Like, why aren't these people just responding to a simple like, how's everything going text? Why would they even pay me for a service that they're not going to use? And it turns out, I don't listen to Taylor Swift, but I I do hear clips of Taylor Swift. And so it was me. I was the problem. I think that's from one of her songs, right? And so there was one client who really kind of opened my eyes to what was happening. So I'm going to call her Maria. That is not her real name. And Maria and I started out increasing her calorie intake, tracking her food, making sure she was eating enough to support her workouts, trying to break this mindset of like, I have to eat as little as possible. And like finally actually giving her enough energy to like really get in and give some intensity in her workouts. And she started out amazing. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm eating more than ever. How am I losing weight? This makes no sense. It was like a dream, like the coach's dream, right? But then she started to kind of lose steam. She stopped meal prepping. She was more inconsistent with her check-ins, like didn't give in all the information that she used to give. She started going out more and noticed that she was snacking more often. And so as her coach, I was like, I got to convince her to go back to this thing that clearly was working so well, right? But I was missing a few factors, like Things in her life had shifted and Maria was a whole damn person. Nutrition was just a small part of her life, but I didn't yet as a coach have the communication skills or the tools to understand how all of this fit the whole picture and really get to the bottom of like what was actually going to help Maria, right? And it was because back then I was a more ego-centered coach. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because it sounds like we think ego-centered when we think, ooh, bad, but not necessarily, right? It was just I didn't know how to collaborate with Maria on a plan of action that actually worked for her where she was in her life. I didn't know how to truly meet her where she was at. 
I didn't know the questions to ask her, and I didn't know how to actually truly listen to what was going on. And eventually, Maria quit coaching. No surprise there, right? And years later, I still think about her, and I think about how different this experience could be now. And obviously then, I didn't know what I didn't know. And obviously, now, still have so much to learn. So much. But I've worked a lot on my listening skills. I have worked a lot on motivational interviewing skills, communication skills. I know how to collaborate with clients now. And I know how to help clients feel really safe opening up with me, right? And here's the thing. If we want our clients to stay engaged, we want to truly support them in reaching their goals, and we want to learn how to, um, or we want to teach them how to adjust and adapt to the changing needs of their life, we need to get better at giving clients more autonomy over their process. As coaches, we are there to guide them, but in the end, our clients know themselves and their circumstances best, right? And so I want to give you a specific example of this. So a client says they hate cooking. They're like, oh God, hate cooking. And you're like, cool, okay, you don't have to cook. Here's a bunch of like no-cook meals. These are amazing. They're so easy, blah, blah, blah. As I mentioned before, I'm going to dig into ego-centered in a minute, but this is an ego-centered approach. I'm the coach. Here's the solution. And so a client-centered approach might sound more like this. It sounds like cooking is high on the list of things you're not a fan of. Can you tell me more about that? And opening that up, listening to the client, validating what they're saying might open you up to finding out some interesting things because I it just I wrote these down in like two seconds, but I came up with three potential scenarios that might be happening when a client says they don't like cooking. You might find it's not that the client actually hates cooking. It's that before they'd done this crazy strict like complicated diet and it had these recipes that felt tedious, took a lot of ingredients, and took a lot of time to cook. You might find out that the client doesn't actually hate the cooking process. They just don't like cleaning up. And you might find out that they enjoy cooking when they feel like they have time, but it feels like a chore after a really long day at work. You might find out that like they actually enjoy cooking, but they don't like the idea of cooking four different meals for them and their family. And so all of these scenarios have different solutions. And these different solutions are things that you would never find out about if you are the coach that has all the answers or the coach that appears not being seen as the, co- the authority or the expert. If you're the coach that is hearing like, this is what a client said, here's my recommendation, you're missing a lot of the equation. And so let's talk about what specifically is client-centered coaching. It's a coaching method that puts an emphasis on the client and coach collaboration. It's not like the coach is the director and the client is the actor. The coach and the client are a team that work together towards a common goal, which is the client's goals, right? And client-centered coaching has a base in self-determination theory, which is a psychological model based around the idea that humans are motivated to grow and change when there's three general needs met. And these needs are autonomy, relatedness, and competence. And I believe I talked about this in episode 91 on values. Um, I know I've mentioned this multiple times before, but here's a really basic breakdown if you're like, what the fuck is self-determination theory? So autonomy, a client feels like they are making decisions, they're in control of their behaviors, and they are in charge of defining their goals. And this is why understanding the why behind your client's goals is so important. We want them to feel like they are in the driver's seat and you are there to guide them. Not that you're telling them what to do and they're just like this passive person. Relatedness. The client feels that they are not alone and that they are somehow connected to a community or a larger purpose. 
And then the third one is competence. The client feels like they are able to learn skills, complete tasks, and feel like in the coaching process they are increasing their level of ability or reaching mastery in certain things. And then the argument of self-determination theory is that when humans feel self-determined, they are more motivated towards their goals. And I want you to think about it like this. Let's say a client comes to you totally lost. I don't know what to eat, right? And you give them a plan to follow. And you might be like the nicest, most encouraging, cheerleadery, like you got this person. But if the client doesn't feel like they're learning skills that they can actually see progress and even mastery in, they don't feel like they have the power or the knowledge to adjust or shift based on their needs and their choices. Like even if they feel like they're a part of your client community, it's likely that this client will hit an obstacle, something will happen, and they may go dark. They may stop responding. They may disengage. And we all have that client that started out super well and then just kind of like slowly fades out, right? And so in practice, this looks like a lot less of, hey coach, here's my problem, and then the coach just gives a solution, and a lot more of the coach asking open-ended questions, exploring different potential solutions, and planning as this collaborative process. And a big part of this is also understanding like what are the obstacles that are going to get in this client's way on their way to a goal. And instead of the coach being like, this is how you're going to overcome that obstacle or this is how I do it, the client will be asked like, how might you overcome this obstacle? And so coaching becomes conversation instead of transaction. And the opposite to a client-centered coach is an ego-centered coach. An ego-centered coach is the coach that is like, I have the answers, I am the authority, and my client just needs to follow the plan and they'll hit the result. It's the coach that is like, I gave gave my client the plan and if the client doesn't follow the plan, like, it's not my plan, like, my plan is great. It's also the coach that's like, it worked for me. And this this is a tough one, right? Because I think especially a lot of nutrition coaches are like, well, I had so much success, for example, with macros and it worked so well and so it must be what I coach my clients on. And I think to a certain extent, personal, I think personal experience is very, very important, but this is where setting aside ego is really key because it's going to be really, really hard to truly coach all of your clients in what they really need if you are not able to put aside the if it, it worked for me. And the ego-centered coach is worried that they're not gonna be seen as the authority or that clients aren't gonna get aren't gonna feel like they're getting their money's worth if the coach isn't constantly giving information and being seen as the quote unquote expert. And I wanna be clear, an ego-centered coach is not a bad person. And in many cases, they're just coaches who don't know alternative coaching methods exist. Maybe they're newer to coaching, or maybe they haven't had the right types of mentors or education in order to understand how not to be ego-centered, right? I like to believe that coaches truly want to help people, and if we are not helping them in the way that they need, it's simply that we do not have the skills that we need quite yet, right? When we know better, we do better. But then also, like we do want to admit, There are people that are just out to make money, they just want to sell plans, and they generally don't give a shit unless they get their transformation photos. All right, let's talk about how you can become a more client-centered coach and why this is so impactful for your clients. And client-centered coaches, I'm going to focus on kind of four actionable things that you can start doing. And those things are practicing active listening, resisting the writing reflex, collaborating with clients on solutions, and putting your ego aside. And before I give you those tips, I want to briefly touch on motivational interviewing because this is such an important communication skill set 
for client-centered coaching. They are very, very much integrated and, and really necessary, in my opinion, to understand the basics of motivational interviewing in order to be a more client-centered coach. Motivational interviewing is a more collaborative communication style, and it's being adopted a lot more now in therapy and healthcare settings. It's a skill set that is being introduced, I think, into more nutrition and fitness. And it's something that I am very passionate about coaching my mentoring clients on. We have mini trainings and we, we do calls and role playing and things like that in motivational interviewing inside mentoring because it really increases a coach's ability to communicate. And motivational interviewing helps you with a framework for how to communicate with clients in this collaborative way. The goal, the overarching goal is to help the client do what they already want to do. And if you're curious about motivational interviewing or if you want to apply it to your coaching, as I mentioned, it is one of the skill sets that we work on helping you apply to your client interactions inside mentoring. And I would also say if you are interested in client-centered coaching, you're curious about this, I honestly think that motivational interviewing and nutrition and fitness should be required reading for every nutrition or fitness coach. I highly recommend buying and reading that if you have not yet. So actionable tips. The first one, the first actionable tip for becoming a more client-centered coach is to start practicing active listening. I want you to seek to understand your client, not to resolve. And that means when a client shares with you, you know, hey, I overate this weekend, I need to work on my willpower, you do not jump to conclusions. You do not start prepping your response. This means, especially I know a lot of clients are doing more asynchronous communication. So that means like text messages, voice notes, videos, read and reread or listen to the voice note, take notes, really try to understand what the person is saying. And as a coach, you are going to need patience to do this. Again, you might need to read and reread a text or read a check-in a couple of times. If you're on a face-to-face -face call or a, video or a voice call, you might need a few seconds of silence to actually let yourself process what you're hearing. And active listening is also actively resisting the urge to give solutions or to fix the problem. So the second actionable tip is to resist the writing reflex. And this is a phrase taken directly from motivational interviewing. And it's so important because coaches often have this focus of like, how do I fix the problem? A client like does something wrong or something goes wrong. They don't stick to the plan. And you think like, I got to give a, a suggestion for how to fix this, right? Like they need more information. I need to explain this better. And I want you to start resisting the urge to tell your client what you think the right answer is or what they quote unquote should do. And one thing that I like to encourage my mentoring clients to do is to notice when you have this urge and call it out within yourself. You can say to yourself, I'm having the writing reflex right now. And this is where you can really lean into question asking. You can ask clarifying questions. We do a lot of work on, on asking open-ended questions and the skill set behind that in mentoring. And it's so helpful because we, as mentioned in active listening, we want to understand the client. And often that does take a little bit more questions, right? I know we want to give advice, but remember the self-determination theory I talked about before? We are not helping our clients learn if we are giving them the answer. And so let's go to the third actionable tip because here's what you should try instead. That is collaborate with clients on solutions. So a client comes to you and they're like, I just don't have time to work out after work. 
And your writing reflex might be, I want to hop in and I want to suggest other times for them to work out or I want to give a recommendation for how they can work around their schedule, right? I want you to catch that reflex, call it out, stop it, it's time to collaborate. So first, we want to validate their struggle. So in motivational interviewing, one of the skills is affirmations. And so you would affirm like, hey, it sounds like afternoons get busy for you and you'd love to find a new way to fit in workouts. And then coaches kind of worry like, if I'm not giving them recommendations, like am I not doing my job? And this is where you can say, I've got a couple ideas that might work for you, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And this is where, again, open-ended questions help you explore what their ideas are. And then important note, I mentioned this before, don't forget to ask about obstacles. So you come up, let's say you come up with some ideas, you're like, hey, this might work, this might work. And you might ask the client, are there any obstacles that you can see that might make it difficult to do this one or this one? And this is going to help you collaborate on a more realistic plan that helps your clients become more resilient, helps them become build more autonomy and self-efficacy in the face of obstacles. Here's the fourth one, last actionable tip. You are not the expert on this client. You may be an expert on nutrition. You may, may be an expert on fitness. You may be an expert on like uh, digestive health. But you are not the expert on this client. So your ego needs to go away. And one thing that my mentoring clients hear from me all the time is the question, how can you show your client the options instead of telling them what to do? And here's an example. One of my mentoring clients was working with a client who said over and over, like, yeah, I'm going to plan my weekends better. I'm going to plan my weekends better. They kept talking about it and the coach would give them recommendations for here's how you can plan. The client would be like, yeah, great. Sounds good. And then the planning just wouldn't happen. And so I asked this coach, I was like, does your client think that her lack of planning is the problem? Or is it that you think your client not planning is the problem? And the reason I said this is because we need to stop trying to tell clients what the solution to the problem that we see is and start understanding like this client didn't see her lack of planning as a problem. And so of course she's not going to feel autonomy and choice over fixing it or over planning. And you might think like, oh, well, they're not going to reach their goals that way. Yes, they will. Because you are going to help them do what they already want to do. If they have a goal, they probably have an idea of how they can reach it. And it's up to you to bring out that side of that, that like problem solving, skill building side of your client. And yeah, sometimes it may take a little bit longer. And this is why I want to do a post on like 12 weeks is not a magic time frame for results. Because some people need longer. And like behavior change takes a lot longer than 12 weeks. So this style of coaching is actually fantastic for client retention. And I also want to want to share that in motivational interviewing and client-centered coaching, it's really important to view your clients with unconditional positive regard. We want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We want to give them empathy. This is really important because one of the greatest predictors for client success in a counseling setting is the rapport between client and counselor. So if you're a coach and you have awesome rapport with your client, they feel like they can communicate openly with you. They feel safe. They feel not judged it is a lot more likely that you can go deep with this client and really get to the bottom of what they want to work on in nutrition and fitness rather than them feeling judged or feeling like they need to hide things from you. Weirdly enough, you know, we think like, well, I, I need to be the expert. I need to show my clients that I know my shit, right? But I would ask you, who do you trust more? The expert that is like, that sometimes says, you know, actually, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Or the person that is always like, oh yeah, I know exactly what the answer is kind of untrustworthy, right? And not really like human. 
not really someone that you want to connect with. Like who likes a know-it-all? All right. It was really hard to cut myself off here because client-centered coaching is a concept that we could talk about for hours and hours and hours. And I truly believe that this is something that all coaches should be striving for. Like we are not, this is going to sound harsh, but like we're not coaches if we are not collaborating with our clients. Coaching is so much deeper than that. And it's also so much more fun when you start to collaborate with your clients. And it's interesting because the mentoring clients I've worked with have found that these skills and the other skills that we work on in mentoring, as well as the ability to like get in the moment feedback on client struggles has really transformed their client relationships and also their businesses. Like they feel confident taking on more habit-based coaching clients and not only macro clients now, which expands their capacity for a bigger business or a more successful business. And so one of the coaches I mentor, Julia, she shared, I think the biggest difference that I've seen in my coaching is less pressure on myself to always have the right answer. I've gotten a lot better at understanding that by asking more questions, I'm letting my clients devise their own solutions that will actually help their success most in the long run. That takes the overwhelm off my shoulders as well as gives them a better outcome. It feels like a win-win. It also taught me that my ego was getting in the way at times. LOL, and I expected that the perfect recommendation from me was all my clients needed. And in fact, that's not what my clients needed at all. I also want to share with you, I linked in the show notes a communication skills mini training. And if you're someone that ever has like clients that don't respond to texts, maybe you get one word answers and check-ins, maybe they don't respond to check-ins at all. I am sharing a communication skills mini training directly from our mentorship resource library that you can download in the show notes. So click the link, enter your email, and you're going to access the training right away. It's only eight minutes long, but it's packed with advice that you can literally put in action today in your coaching conversations. So with that, if you love this episode, share it with someone in your life. Post it on social media. Tag me. Let me know you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what your takeaways were. Thank you so much for being here. If you have not left a rating for this podcast yet, um, please do that. It's like a two-second way to help other people find this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I need some water. I That was a lot of talking. Thank you for being here. And hopefully, we will chat again very soon.